Hello, welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, I'm Tim, and this episode I chat to author Jonathan Stroud. I do it, <laughs> I, I, I know I, I'm just delivering it deadpan, as if I'm not super, super, super excited, but I've been waiting for this interview for ages, it took some working out, but if you haven't read anything by Jonathan, uh, a really great place to start is his Bartimaeus sequence, uh, which starts with uh, Bartimaeus, the amulet of Samarkand. They are amazingly exciting, fun, entertaining, gripping books set in a kind of alternate alternate uh london where the british empire is run by magicians who get their powers by some summoning demons and forcing them to do their will i, I say I, I you know i make reference to it in the episode but i think the bartimaeus sequence i remember reading the amulet of samarkand after a, a friend of mine recommended it to me while we were walking up the steps of a uh, hotel in chester for some reason the, the the actual location is really imprinted on my mind as he described this very vivid world and so eventually i i went out and uh and and, and read the stories i mean this isn't a isn't a great anecdote, it doesn't really go anywhere. If anything, all it really demonstrates is my complete contempt <laughs> for my friend's taste because it took me so long to follow up on it. No, but you know, it's one of those things where someone says, you should read this thing, and you slightly resist because they were saying it's really good, and you feel they're kind of... you. Any uh, There must be things you've had that with where someone says, you've got to watch this film, you've got to read this book, and you kind of go, I'll do it in my own time. And you resist, and then you get to it, and you go, oh my gosh. Anyway... It's definitely one of it's definitely one of my favourite books that I've read. I, I've I've not really encountered something that is that just lush and mixes amazing prose with tight plotting. It's just fun and cool, like it's a brilliant adventure. And and the Bartimaeus sequence is is published in thirty five languages. And and it sold over six million copies worldwide, so like, it's not just me who read it and thought it was cool. And actually, that makes me really excited because it's so great that a book is that's awesome also has loads of people who think it's awesome. That makes me excited and feel very positive about the world. And actually, when I've been talking to friends. I've mentioned to friends, oh, I've just done this interview with Jonathan Stroud. It's coming out on Thursday. Um, people get really excited. So many people I've mentioned it to have gone, oh, my God, I love those books. That's the kind of effect he has on people, his work has, and uh, we talk about. So I obviously I grew him a bit about Bartimaeus. We talk a bit about his background in publishing. We talk about his uh, sequence, his Lockwood & Co sequence, which is all about kind of like child ghostbusters it's like he 
writes i was gonna say he gets to write about so many cool things but of course he chooses to and that just makes me so excited and it was just a treat to talk to him and i'm very glad to report that um i had a whale of a time talking to him and that's always really nice when you love someone's work and then they turn out to be incredibly nice and interesting and enthusiastic because (laughs) my uh my admiration remains uncomplicated and fulsome if you like the show there are three ways that you can uh, directly support it the first is buy my book Uh, my novel the honors is out now there'll be a link in the show notes i'd love you to check it out it is also a an adventure with hopefully cool stuff that happens in it set in 1935 it's got lots and lots of things i don't want to spoil it for you but if you enjoy the show and you want to see what my writing's like then click the link you can uh, you can get it with free worldwide shipping and I'd, I'd love to know what you think if you get to read it my new novel the ice house is um is out next year and i have just seen back from the printers that the um, proof copies have been printed so I should be getting a physical copy next week and I've just been mentioning to authors sending emails going oh, would you like to would you like to read a proof and let me know what you think which gets my social anxiety like going off the scale I feel like such a I feel so nervous about doing it I feel like a douchebag I feel like I'm imposing on people maybe this is just a very British thing where we don't like to feel like we're self promoting and especially i don't feel like i'm imposing on people it's a really odd feeling because i get books sent by authors and i love it i get free books through my door and i don't get to read all of them but i get i read a bit of most of them and it's exciting free who doesn't love free books but when i'm doing it to other people i feel like i'm being a dickhead uh anyway uh yeah the ice house is gonna be out next year so the second thing you can do to support the show which won't cost you a penny is just to um subscribe on soundcloud on itunes and uh, rate it on itunes leave a review and share it on social media all of those things just help me find new people who'll love the show as well i don't have an advertising budget the show occasionally has sponsors but basically this is me doing this from my office and anything you can do to help people find it is uh is much appreciated i really appreciate it it's so lovely of so many of you share it i really appreciate that because it just it's lovely to meet new listeners and 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 share all this stuff because you know being a writer is quite lonely and i think it's so great and i'm so thrilled that i'm sort of starting to build this water cooler really where we can exchange advice and we can g each other up and we can chat to authors and go how's it been it's i'm having such a blast finally uh i've got overheads for the show i have to pay for my website uh renewal i have to pay soundcloud to uh, host episodes if you'd like to help me out with um my expenses just so doing the show isn't costing me anything in terms of hard cost i mean of course it takes you know at least a day and a half if not two days a week of work to put this on i've been putting out two episodes a week for the last three weeks um and i i I love what i'm doing (laughs) but um if you'd like to click 
there's a link on my website if you go on my website timclairpoet.co.uk there's a link that says buy me a coffee rather presumptuously you can click there two clicks you can drop me a few quids um or you can click the link in the show notes to it i really appreciate it i don't have a sort of repeated sponsorship system for this show where people can sign up to pay monthly it's just you know if you've uh, got a couple of quid and you want to chuck it into my uh online guitar case i really really appreciate it and i'm so um i'm so flattered that so many of you've been so generous actually it's kind of it's kind of bananas and um i'm really really grateful and um i just hope i'm i'll just do i'm just going to do my best to continue to produce shows that i hope will make you excited and make your writing not simply less lonely not simply give you a few tips but my aim and my hope and my deep deep wish for you is to give you stuff that makes writing an adventure and a journey and a sweet joy for you and something that helps you grow okay so i'm not going to go on any more than that because this is uh, we had a, a pretty involved chat and i had a wonderful time and i'm sure by the end of this you're gonna uh, love jonathan too and if you haven't read one of his books then yeah the bartimaeus uh sequence or lockwood and co which is like it's a super 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 cool adventure oh man i just love it i love that we're allowed to as grown-ups we're allowed to read these stories and just revel in them because we're the grown-ups so we get to decide what grown-ups can and can't do and i'm saying let's have adventures and read about magic and just enjoy ourselves it's awesome anyway here is jonathan stroud Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers and for anyone who loves stories and the worlds therein. Um, today, I'm super excited and I'm, I'm never less than uh, engaged, but I am cock-a-hoop, exuberant and um, a little bit starstruck because I'm getting to talk to... Amazing author, Jonathan Stroud. How are you, Jonathan? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Tim, and very, very excited to be here with you today. So, I want to jump straight in. There's like I, there's so many things that I want to talk about that I know are coming up, but I want to set the stage for other people so this isn't just me sort of uh, wheedling you with uh, various personal questions that I have about different things that I love about your writing. Um, so one of the things I often ask is where do you come from Where did, and how did you get to, when did you first get the sense of that stories were something special? Oh well, that's that's a that's a question and a half. It's a it's a how long is a piece of string kind of question. That one. Um, I mean, I suppose you, you know, you, you, with with the benefit of hindsight, you, I can look back and and see that when I was really quite tiny, I was already um, on the particular path. You know, that that led me led me right here. And I, I wonder if with a lot of writers are like this, that you you actually started off really quite small. And I, I I can remember writing 
little tiny stories on rolls of wallpaper that my mum gave me um, when I was about five, I guess. And so, and I still have a couple of these. They're, they're kind of all folded up and they're little sort of almost like crayon drawings and uh, the tales of Robin Hood and um, uh, dinosaur books and things. Basically, whatever I was interested in at the time, I, I immediately began to kind of do my own little versions. So there was definitely a seed even right at the outset. If I liked something, then I, I had this urge to do my own my own version which is kind of what we all do as writers I think you know you however storied or um, lauded you, you know you get you you're, you're still essentially responding to the same itch that you there's something that has excited you and you kind of want to tell your own version of of that story or that or that that kind of tale so um, yeah throughout my childhood I was always writing, scribbling, making comics, doing um, board games, uh, putting together one sort of um, creative thing or another. Um, I, when I was about seven or eight, I got, I was quite ill for a, while, a couple of years where I was in hospital a bit with, you know, pneumonia and things. I was off school for like a term at a time. And so I was, I guess I was quite a solitary. It, it was an enforced solitude, um, which meant that I, again, I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of, a lot of um, writing. And I, I imagine at that point that might have sharpened the focus a little bit. I had a very good teacher as well around that time, actually, who encouraged my my writing and kind of made sort of quite excited noises and got me to stand up in front of the school and, you know, read out one of my little stories I'd done. So there were little little things that were kind of um, coming at me from different directions around that kind of time, which meant that when I got into the um, senior school and I got distracted by work and you know the things one gets distracted by um there was already that um that that kind of seed and um uh it it was there to 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 re-emerge i suppose um in university when i wrote you know, I sort of wrote a play or two and then i left university and got a job in publishing and that was very interesting and very useful but there was still this sort of sense in me this kind of um itch that i i kind of wanted to do my own writing not just uh, look at other people's so um you know you look back on it and my parents have got all my stuff uh, in in the attic, in in vast um, sort of quantities, all these sort of little stories and things, you can you can kind of see it. it's like a it's like uh, going to Troy and going down through all the different um, uh, all the different sort of layers. You know, you can you can you can archaeological dig. You can see how one thing led to another. And really, the stuff I'm doing now is just that the you know the, the latest city on on the top of that um, of that sort of uh, you know that humped mound <laughs> of um, of previous uh, yeah attempts. Yeah, I spoke to um, the author. Uh, Andrew Cowan at the beginning of the week and he said oh, yeah. that he feels like most writers maybe every writer have got some kind of mentor figure at some point in their past somebody who saw who saw something in them somebody who mm. said hey I want to see that that teacher it sounds like was that person for you and I, that really resonates with me because I've had oh, yeah. those people in my life who say oh I I, I love this. Can you remember, I don't suppose you remember what the story was about that you read out in front of the school? Well, I do to a certain extent because it was, um, it was I think by this point I was probably about 10 
Um, and this particular teacher, who's called Mr. Bowen, and he, Mr. Bowen was an excellent guy. He was very, he was Welsh and very passionate about literature, music, drama, quite theatrical. Um, my first male teacher, you know, we're, um, mainly female teachers, and he he was he was he was quite different, but also very. Um, he had this real sort of rich voice, and he used to get every, he, when, when we all sang our our hymns in assembly, he would be sort of acting out, you know, some of the some of the more sort of exciting hymns. So he there was there was a sense in which he was very. Um, he was quite sort of interesting and thrilling um, and arty, um, but he really focused in on on my stuff. And um, uh, and there was one time we were doing um, uh, we were kind of we were doing stuff based on the Jungle Book, um, and um, you know I'd read various stories about Mowgli and all the rest. So I, I did my own Mowgli story. I can't quite remember what the story consisted of. No doubt it was you know Mowgli saving um you know all his chums from from some disaster I can't I I I don't rem- I don't remember that far back but um he he got me to read it out um wow. uh, 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 to to the whole school which you know it's only probably a couple of hundred kids but it felt at the time it was quite a big deal I remember being a bit pretty nervous uh, you know and I, and I but I did it and so it, it, these things stick with you uh, so yeah, yeah wow. he he, un- he undoubtedly was was the sort of the figure who um, yeah, that mentor figure. I, I think you're right. You know, you, teachers are so so key, aren't they? If you've got a, te- a teacher or a librarian or uh, you know or some someone in the family who just gives you that encouragement, it's it's quite crucial, particularly at that sort of age. Yeah, I think I, I think they and it's they don't always. It doesn't always have to be. I you know it doesn't always have to be that big or like they don't always realize what. Sometimes it's just somebody's comment to one thing you've done oh, yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. or some, or they notice something specific they say i really like this line here or i loved what you did mm. with this character mm. and i think that can i think that can connect because i had a teacher um mr walton my english teacher again a very passionate welsh guy uh oh, there you did, go the, the welsh are top yeah, uh, um, un- <laughs> unbelievable um uh champions of live literature and music and the well because because um you know because uh being bilingual and having a tradition in welsh schools of poetry Mm. recital um there's that there's that actual quite strong tradition of of reading stuff out loud and storytelling and the texture and the taste of language so yeah, yeah and i remember that that it was like also seeing somebody who was excited about stories. That's a really big thing as well, right? Yes, it's, it's true. That, that excitement, that, that, it, it, it's, it's very much a, a shared thing, isn't it? Ultimately, whether you're, whether you're standing up in front of somebody or you're simply going to someone and saying, hey, you read this book, it's really great, it's really exciting, you're going to love this. And if, if, if the right person does it to you in the right way, then it will, it will ignite the, the, the passion in you. Conversely, you know, uh, you you could easily have the the reverse happening. If there's somebody who um, gives you that kind of crushing put down or makes some little sort of de- deflationary remark at the wrong time, that can have a t- you know a, quite a quite a catastrophic effect. And I'm I've I've seen it and I've, I've I've observed it. Not not in me, not with me, but I've seen other people, um, other kids. I remember other kids doing stuff, um, handing it in, and that it actually being quite a good effort. And then the 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 adult who read it sort of making some 
some sort of crass remark and i could see the kind of uh the 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 the, the air going out of the kit in a uh, like a like a sort of punctured balloon and um and i would know as another kid i'd think okay well that they're not going to they're not going to pursue that they're going to put that that little bit of work to one side and move on do something else and you know it's it's an important it's it's a very fragile thing actually it's a very um I mean, as an as an as an adult, you know, as an adult author, I'm sure you find the same thing that you, when your piece is in an early phase, in a new a new book, and you know, you're just feeling your way, you don't know. It's quite dangerous to show people because, um, again, if someone if someone treads on it with 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 hobnail boots, um, then you know you can feel well, okay, that's 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 no good. Um, and I think as a that works sort of en masse when you're a kid um, and you're just starting out and everything's just sort of fairly fairly fragile. You, you it's all in the lap of the gods. You know, if you've got someone with you who can steer you through it, then you're then you you're you're blessed really. I never thought of I never made that connection before that. You know, when you're a kid, it's like everything's kind of your first draft. But yeah. later yeah. on, uh, well, that's right. We never, we never quite get over that that feeling of, um, well, to create stuff, I guess, makes you a little bit vulnerable. You know, and oh, it does. Oh, oh totally. It's, it's it's an act of bravery um, to make anything, isn't it? It could be um, well, okay. You can make something in your in your you know in your garret and not show anybody, um, but kind of by definition that's you haven't done the full job at some point you've got to you've got to take it out into the world and that is a that's an act of of there's courage in that in that um which some people you know never never quite get or or and all of we we all have that that anxiety i've got a phone call later on today with um my agent about a new um synopsis and piece of writing that i've i've done um, and you know, part of me is thinking, well, I, I know it's, I know it's good and it'll be fine. But part of me is also thinking, yeah, but you know, she, she may not like that bit, or the publishers may think it's old hat, or it happens every time, doesn't it? And you, you have to gird your loins and just, um, you know, go through that sort of slightly uncomfortable bit, and then hopefully, all, well, inevitably, eventually, you get it, and fine, you, you the, the piece will. Will 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 grow and become what it is, but um, yeah, edgy times always. Yeah, that's. That, I think that's really astute. It's funny that like at that opening stage, because I'm at the opening stage of writing something, and I feel yeah. like I, you know, I sent a couple of bits out to people to give me feedback, and it's basically I feel like any any sort of piece of criticism I would at this stage I would probably accept if they said, oh, I don't really understand yeah. it. I, I go. <clears throat> Oh yeah, you're right. Now actually, I see that it doesn't make any sense. But also, all you really need um, when you're writing a piece of work early on, just the same as when you're a kid, is someone to go, "Wow, you've got to finish this." That's a really yeah, you, yeah. that can that can get you through a whole first draft. Oh to- no, totally, totally. You just need, you just need a little bit of a um, a little twinkle in the eye and a um, a kind of come on. We, you know, we we're all in this together. We've all had this. It's, it's difficult, but you you can do it. And and that that should be or that 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 can be uh, that can be enough. I mean, it's one of the one of the delights about going as an as a as an author going into schools and doing um, you know readings and talking to the kids because I I can remember authors coming in to see me um i mean i think i think i was one of the i was one of the one of the first generation because you know back in the day i don't think authors went out at all you know you just you just did your thing and um you know pre-internet you know you wouldn't know whether an author was alive or dead you get a bit you get a book and it'd be like it's by so-and-so and you think well who, who is so-and-so they, with no information um but it, around 
right about that time when I was about, I guess, about sort of 10 or so, um, the local Federation of Children's Book Groups uh, in, my, in my area actually was beginning to bring authors into schools. So I had a couple of, 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 of people, well, various ones coming in. And, you know, one guy, Douglas Hill, who's a, who's a Canadian uh, sci-fi uh, kids writer um, wrote a very good series called The Last Legionary uh, Quartet, which I absolutely loved. But he came in, and um, you know, he, he, he I, I sort of sat there at the front row, mm. and he was um, he he was talking away, and I sent him one of my little books that I'd written, uh, and he wrote back, and you know, he, he, giving me encouraging words, and that's the kind of thing, you know, you you as a as a as a grizzled author myself, I I, I now think, well, okay, there's a chance that in any of these schools I go into. There are going to be people here in different in different ways that this this particular encounter might resonate with them for uh, for years to come. So it's um you know it's a really it's a really fun thing to 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 keep potentially passing the torch on to the next generation. Yeah, I think you are. I don't think I don't think it's I know like the danger dangerous you don't want to sound like you're going well. I understand that I am incredibly important <laughs> to these children, but you are like I I, I think just showing that there's human beings write these books that they don't come down with oh, like yeah. meteorites <clears throat> yeah that just a person yeah. just like them writes and that they're allowed yes. to and they have permission that's that's it's huge <clears throat> for adults to hear that let alone children you know mm. and i think it's 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 a really it's really nice to hear have someone standing up and saying uh, yeah you can write books and you can do it in in you can kind of do it in whatever way you want because the other thing of course is the is that uh, and, and understandably enough the teachers the, the education system have they have certain ways of um of telling you how to create uh, a piece of writing or, or a piece of anything um and that's all very useful but actually as an author you can stand up there and go oh yeah well i you know i write my stories and i, I might start in the middle or um you know i'll write this bit 15 times but i still don't know what the ending is uh but then i'll put it to one side and i'll jump you know you 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 talk about the the ways that you operate um and the kid will be there thinking well that's that's actually quite flexible and quite fluid quite different from what we've been told and they, they, they can just parcel that up uh, as as another bit of information that they can potentially use because yeah because the syllabus isn't written by writers and you can say they can say how did you write this how did you get the idea for this book and you go well i was walking my dog and i looked into the field uh and i thought that there was a a monster coming out of the corn and then i realized it was a scarecrow but then i had an idea of what kind of monster would be in a wheat field and and, <laughs> and then i and then the rest of the walk i actually ended up walking my dog three times around the block so i had enough time to think of it and that's very difficult to work that kind of thing into a lesson plan but it no, is the way absolutely. that a lot of people write yeah yeah no so uh, as an author you're you're a walking demonstration of the flaws and <laughs> in, in ad- inadequacies um you know that may go hand in hand with with writing something that actually brings pleasure to to other people um uh and it's good for you as well isn't it as an author you know you're, you're not well I, I i don't know what your experience but you know there's a se- essentially there's this kind of you're you're in, you're in a garret or you're in your in the cafe you're you're scribbling away you're in your own little thing it's much it's healthy to be able to go out there and communicate what a podcast is doing as well in 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 a different way isn't it you we're 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 continuing the conversation we're we're throwing it open um people can listen or not as they as they as they want but it's 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 throwing light into a fairly shadowy solitary kind of existence which all, all authors 
you know, we we all we all share it. So it's it's kind of nice to open the open the shutters and let you know let the air in. A bit. It is definitely. I think you know we spend so much of our working lives essentially shut in rooms the size of small service elevators and it's nice to have a water cooler that we can occasionally sort of pop out of and have a little chat round <laughs> yeah. you know it's nice to have it's nice to have like a little communal sort of apple tree that people can sit down and uh, eat their sandwiches and say how's it been going for you this week oh, it's been going all right and just have a chat it's it's <laughs> nice most people working have that and and we don't i wanted to just um move on then to talking about your stories because we kind of like talked about your um all these influences <laughs> and then you you had and now looking back you can see the the warning signs of creativity and the storyteller that was always there we should you should have seen it coming so how do you then <laughs> how did you then end up uh, writing how did you make that sort of how did you become a writer if that isn't too grand? <laughs> um, well, it's it, it, with, with me. It was a, a series of. I mean, I, I think. I think um, for most people, it's it's a combination of um, you know an inbuilt um, predisposition and willpower, which uh, you know you, you have to have if you're going to produce anything, um, and also luck. You know, you, it, it, it's a combo going on. Um, with me, I left university. I did English degree. Um, I got a job, kind of not knowing what I was going to do. I, I kind of fell into a job uh, at Walker Books, um, who obviously children's publisher in London. Uh, and um, I, first of all, it was work experience, but I, I made myself useful and I became a kind of an assistant editor. Um, and in those days, Where's Wally was, was there. Well, it's, I'm sure it still is. To say it is, it, it absolutely is. I've been reading it to my still, daughter this week. <laughs> it's still going it's and it, you know it's absolutely massive and everyone you know it was uh, walker was 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 you know sailing high on on this particular back of this particular thing and um we had a whole department um based uh, around the idea of doing other game books um with uh with, with similar kinds of things and that that really linked in funny enough with all the stuff that i'd done when i was a kid when i did lots of game i did lots of um uh, you know choose your own adventure style uh, books with different multiple routes and um, throwing dice and things. So actually, I, I was inherently quite interested in uh, books that were also uh, puzzle puzzles or games. Um, and so anyway, I got I I, be, I became an, an assistant editor in this particular part of the of Walker Books. Worked on various different things. Meanwhile, they also said, "Well, you know, you, you clearly like it. Can you come up with some more ideas of your of your own?" So I I began writing stuff for them, um, which uh, which I sort of did. I, I kind of had a sort of semi, um, sort of had an amphibious existence, really, mm-hmm. like one of those primi- those primitive um, ichthyostega type creatures that comes out of the water and is is sort of. Just just coming onto land, but at the same time also a bit of a fish, really. And I, I spent half my time editing and half my time uh, as a um, you know actually as a pro, as a, as a early 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 phases of being a writer. And so I wrote a book of word puzzles for them, and then I wrote uh, I did the, the text for um, a, a couple of game books, which were you know, highly illustrated. But I had to invent all the puzzles and work with the illustrators. So I, it was a fantastic crash course in. In, in publishing and in different publishing different kinds of books um so um you know in my 20s i was i was doing quite a bit of this um and and yet the the itch was the, the itch was still un, un, unfulfilled unscratched so I, I when i went home i would i would kind of think no actually what i really want to do 
is write um you know write a novel actually create a you know a big fat old book of my own and so in my spare time I began writing um, a novel which I eventually showed to somebody at Walker and they um they basically took it apart really they said oh, it's far too far too long far too complicated um overwritten you know all the rest and um this is this is one of those sort of fabled moments where you feel a bit deflated and I um I put it back in a drawer and I kind of left it for about a year and then I again I got it out and looked at it and I I sent it to various other um uh, editors uh whose whose names I'd been given by people you know who who people I I knew and um eventually one of them got me in and she said um well it's very overwritten and you know very long and purple prose and all the rest of it but if you if you can if you can fix it if you can rework it um we'll publish it um so I then went away took a you know had a kind of a, a week's holiday of a christmas and kind of just completely rejigged this this novel and cut it down and just trimmed it and anyway eventually that was published that was called buried fire so that was my first my first novel and it was a key thing you know i need i talking about you know mentors this particular editor um she was called delia huddy and she was at random house and she was a a, actually fantastic um woman very you know very gentle very lovely and i i came in and you know really green and um you know nervous as we've discussed you know you're you're at this phase where you're very vulnerable really and she just she, no red pen there was no nothing actually uh, on paper whatsoever it was all just all just done by a chat and she had this kind of brilliant technique sort of uh, we discussed it and I would come up with ideas and I, I would leave thinking that I'd kind <laughs> of self self-generated you know all the solutions but of course she what she was doing was she was she was opening the door she was showing me well you know this what do you think can we change that and what about this and and gave me the again that kind of energy to go away and 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 redo it which is a fantastic sort of editorial um gift you know um and in fact she edited all my all my first um few books um she she died um many years ago but it was a great great loss um but she she edited all my books up to the i think the third bartimaeus bartimaeus book and she always had this very um gracious and kind of uh soft uh approach which really suited really suited me and sort of enabled me to to gain um you know gain confidence in what i was doing and what i could do and all that um all that time at Walker Books was really important, actually, because I I was I was an editor. So um, although I never really edited novels, I did edit all kinds of other non-fiction books, all kinds of stuff, and it meant that I became quite um, quite sort of aware of the need to do the same thing with my own my own stuff. So I'm quite I'm quite sort of ruthless actually with my own writing. I, I'll I'll merrily scribble away and you know get stuff down on paper because as we all know that's that's kind of the key thing first of all get it down on paper but then I'm quite ruthless at um discarding it or changing it or altering it or swapping it around or um which is another kind of a key key um uh trait that I think uh a successful writer needs to be able to do because obviously you, you're going to need outside help um but my aim is always to kind of get it in a good position before I show it to anybody. Yeah, like the further you can take it along yourself, the yeah. more they're going to be able to focus on making it better than you could have on your own, which is that's always how you're going to... I mean, it sounds like... I really like how you talk about her having this kind of like met soft, this gentle method that sounds like a cross between sort of 
Socratic inquiry and giving you enough rope to hang yourself, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> it's it really, really, yeah, it's really nice. And um, I, I'm, I'm so glad you've said that, that because I think it can't be said enough times because it's, it's actually easy. It's easier said than done. And I, I actually, I want to ask you about this. You said mm. you try and write as much as you can, and you'll merrily write away, and then you will go in and edit it so you're kind of like doing this kind of sin and repent uh form of uh writing how do you (laughs) how do you have any struggles with the sort of inner critic with that with that editor that clearly was you know you actually had spent a lot of your 20s practicing and strengthening your eye for this is let sentences a bit too long this is a bit waffly yeah do you struggle with switching that off when you're doing the first draft um yes i no 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 okay no i don't i think i think uh, um one of the dangers of 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 writing and particularly when you're starting out a, a piece well when you're starting out as a writer but also when you're starting out uh, any individual piece is that you you know you 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 become too critical too quickly uh, inevitably when you start writing something, you don't really know what it is. You haven't written it yet, so you don't know. So you, uh, in order to get it out, get it down, you kind of got to just, just, just go for it and not be too um, obsessive about turning it into a one particular thing. Um, so I am quite good at not worrying very much when I'm when I'm first writing stuff, and I I, I tend to. You know, I, what I really want is to get a, a lovely little opening scene. I mean, ideally, what I want, and it happened with my Bartimaeus books and my Lockwood series, actually, both of them um, started out with a with like a, just a little opening scene, which I like, just a little little moment with a couple of characters, slightly intriguing setup. Had no idea what the story was going to be, but I liked this particular little little wait, scene. Wait, wait, um, wait, and wait! You, you you wrote the opening scene of the Bartimaeus books, not knowing what was going to happen next. Um, yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was. It was completely. Um, no, that's amazing. It complete, well, it, it's uh, no. It's never. It, well, to be fair, that's never really happened to me ever again. Actually, what what I did was with that the, that I, I I'd been on a walk. This is one of these. You know, you you, you don't you don't um, you can't schedule it. I'd been for a walk, and I'd in the, on the walk. I'd had a couple of ideas. One of which was to write a story about a. Um, I, I wanted to do a story about magic. But I didn't want to do a story about magic that was a kind of Harry Potter ripoff. So I, I thought, how am I going to do it? Where, um, which, which just shakes it up. And I decided um, I was going to instead of the focus being on the the kid magician, I was gonna I was gonna make him the bad guy, and I was gonna make my my hero a demon. Um, and I wanted the demon to be the to be the um, the guy who told the story. So I had that I had that idea, and I thought, oh yeah, and all the magicians are politicians as well, because if you're you know if you're a uh, a guy who has amazing powers, you 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 know ultimately you're not gonna become Dumbledore and sort of sit in a castle. You're gonna go out and take over uh, over the over the country. So um, that was my initial premise, and then I I sat down you know uh, some while later, a few days later, and I um, I just began writing, and I wrote the first four chapters of um the amulet of samarkand the the first bartimaeus book in two days just basically writing it kind of letting it all come out it was like a kind of damn um and i i have to say i've never had that i've never had that um uh you know i've never had that again never before or since has it ever sort of come out sort of right i know i never had to change it really those those everything came from those two days of um of writing but i think the principle is 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 right that 
you, you well, I, I know there are some writers who will carefully structure the whole thing before they start writing. But I think really, for me anyway, I, I have to I have to kind of get a little bit of sparkle on the page with some little scene and that, that kind of excites me. And then from that I can, okay, well that, uh, yeah, let's, let's build, let's build it outwards like a jigsaw. Let's find out what this world is and who these guys are. And okay, why are they doing that? Well, and you slowly, you slowly build it up. And with Bartimaeus, I, the original series had three books in it and I didn't really, un, you know, understand the world fully until I, you know, had finished the third book because each book was, I was discovering new stuff and, um, you know, pushing the, the boundaries, boundaries back. And I would have gone completely mad if I tried to uh, understand all the rules right at the outset. It, would, it just wouldn't have, it would have been far too complicated. But did you have, so you, that's, a, I just want to uh, uh, sort of uh, underscore that for, pe- for people listening, because I think mm. that's such a useful technique. And it's one that I've, that really resonates with me because I found it useful, but also because so many of the authors I've talked to that, you know, there's this idea in uh, creative writing pedagogy, but certainly within the kind of creative writing on the internet, <laughs> that writers are like, there's this great ancestral war between the pantsers, the right writers who write by the seat of their pants, and the plotters, <laughs> the, 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 who are like the kind of great yeah, yeah. architects. And they represent these kind of like <laughs> primal forces of chaos and order, and never yes. the twain shall meet. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think yeah. that the, that civil war is exaggerated, and that actually most writers, if they really stop to reflect on their practice right a bit like you're saying that you kind of make this little carpet sample that's the most boring mm. analogy i could come up with for the beginning of a, <laughs> for discovering the beginning of a world it's a cup but it's like this little swatch of that's texture right, yeah. and it character is, yeah. yeah and you need yeah. to get it in that detail so you can actually meet them and go hello and hear them speak and see them move yeah. and see them react to danger maybe so you see is this person afraid or are they uh, brave or noble, or are they sarcastic? Um, and you know, arguably, Bartimaeus is kind of all of those things, actually. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But but then, um, and then, and then you can kind of go away and speculate. Then roughly, you know, what's what might happen? What might this person be interested in? Blah 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 blah. And mm, then you can mm. sit down and write the rest, where there'll be inevitably gaps in your in your in your little plan to yourself where you have gone they oh, escape yeah, yeah, and yeah. you get to writing the scene Absolutely. and you go hang on how <laughs> but then that's what makes it exciting and then so you go between yeah. you go between structure and discovery you're like i think i yes. think they might be stuffed yes i can't see how they're going to get out of this one well i'll just follow them and Let's hope for the best. <laughs> and that's absolutely uh, you, you, structure and discovery is is that's a really good way of putting it because you you need as a writer to maintain your own interest and I think one way of doing that is to kind of have a little bit of an, an element of danger in that you you haven't got it all plan, uh, planned out at least n- not in not in the you know the minutiae you 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 probably well you everyone's different but I uh, at some point I I I kind of like to know roughly what I'm 
what I'm doing and what the roadmap is. And I will then follow the roadmap and then deviate as and when um, things seem to, to, to warrant it. Uh, but you, you're absolutely right. You, I'm swing, you're swinging. I think as an individual, you swing between the, the plotting and the improvising, plotting, improvising, and each one is reacting off the other. And that, actually, that, internal, that internal sort of uh, game of ping pong is, is what kind of gives the spark. You know? And you, I have met writers who claim you know, quite breezily that oh, you know, I know I, I just I just I just let it come, I just write it and you know, sometimes you might you might think you might believe it because you actually observe someone who's got a really strong imagination and there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in it, but structurally it kind of gets a bit sort of blamongy and you know what's going on here? And and we all get irritated by that as a as a reader, you as a reader you want you want the sparkle, you want the, the improvising pizzazz but you also want the structure of a good story um so yeah I, I'm, I'm totally with you i think I, I think it's not a if there is a civil war it's a kind of war that goes on inside the individual writer and you you know you the fighting of it is what actually stimulates um the the telling of the, of the tale yeah i did you have did you have, so with because you said you didn't know all about the because I guess with anyone writing science fiction or fantasy, there's this extra element, which is the world building. You know, you've got the plot, you've got yes. the characters, but you've also got yeah. discovering about what the rules of your world are. Um, so you, that that yeah. was something that you you discovered as and when you needed <laughs> them for uh, the Bartimaeus books. Did you have a sense of the, I guess, the arc that, uh nathaniel goes through in those three did you know it was going to be a trilogy when you started when you as you were writing the first one um i knew it was going to be a trilogy um uh you know a few a couple a few months in I mean, I think <laughs> yeah, what, that's what when happens, you like had to admit I... it to yourself you're like uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> that's right no that's exactly right because to begin with it's just like okay i'm, I'm writing a, I'm, I'm writing something here i'm really excited by this this voice of this this genie that, that, that for me that the, these two these these two days were key because they 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 provided me with the voice of this this genie who tells the story and he's it was like nothing I'd ever written before, and I kind of realised that that actually he was he was just there. He he, he appeared fully. You kind formed, of summoned him, I, right? I, I it, absolutely. It was very similar. You know, it was like a summoning, and he just appeared. But you know, in a puff of smoke, and I was speaking in this voice. I thought I knew. I knew straight away. Oh, this is really exciting. You know, for me, it was really exciting, and I I I knew that it was going to be good. It, I didn't know what it. I still didn't know what it was, but I knew that. Oh, this no, this is something here, and then. Um, the other thing that happened in those first two days was that he has this, he has the, right at the beginning, he has this um, sort of collision with this young kid magician who's very kind of uptight and a bit sort of, you know, prissy and um, has power over him. And you've got this kind of conflict between the Bartimaeus and, and, and Nathaniel, who in a way kind of represent these two things we've been talking about, because Bartimaeus is full of, he changes shape and he's, he's, you know, he all he always magical powers, and he's never still, and he's all kind of jokes and footnotes, and he's 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 just sort of creativity, really. Whereas um, Nathaniel is all about, you know, no, these are the rules. You're going to obey, obey me. You've got to stay in that pentacle until I say you can go. And um, the two of them absolutely hate each other, and yet they're locked together. And the, I, very quickly, I realised that the whole engine of this novel was going to be the relationship between these two these two characters but as you correctly said you know you you get to a point where you you start to think about the plot and 
at some point I, I began to, I'd, I'd probably just improvised, I kept on just writing stuff and I, I'd probably put together 50 or 60 pages of stuff. Um, and I, uh, at that point I began to think, no, I've got to, I've got to get structure here. I've got to, I've got to really plan it. And at that point I thought, no, I'm going to need to have more than one book. And I talked to my agent and she said, well, yeah, you know, a trilogy would be nice. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll think about that. So, so I, I, when I, when I finally presented it to the publishers, I had written, I think I'd written a hundred, about a hundred pages of the first book. So I had, a, I had a pretty, you know, nice chunk to, you know, to show them. And I also had a detailed plan of what the first book was going to be be about. And I had a kind of rough, sort of, you know, pretty vague plan about the books two and three as well. So I was able to present that to the publishers and say, you know, this is this is this is this is what you're what you're going to get. And that then obviously reassured them. Um, obviously, as I wrote, you know, as I over the next sort of couple of years, as I was writing all this, um, lots of lots of things changed. Lots of lots of um structural things change but uh yeah there was quite a kind of intense bit of plotting and world conceiving that i suppose i went through after that initial phase of you know 60 or 60 odd pages of just writing and i couldn't have done the the plotting without this big old fat chunk of stuff which within which i'd kind of oh yeah what happens if genies can do that but hold on a minute they can't so they can't you know he can't walk through walls or he can't sort of um teleport or you know there there are things that you think okay that works that doesn't work um and and soon you you have a um a full um yeah you have enough to to put together a um a proper yeah like finding the rules of a world can be I find it occasionally quite stressful because sometimes you'd be doing that (laughs) that walk you know the the walk the way your ideas come and you'll go yes wait hang on if the if you could do this, then why doesn't... Oh, oh no. That's the worst, yeah. Yeah, that's right. The oh, no. You go, oh, no. That, that completely <clears throat> completely you know, undercuts it. And it's, and it's, but you have to go through that because there's nothing more irritating as a, um, as a reader to feel like the rules don't really hold together. Um, I mean, my, the, the one I always remember as an example, actually, is, is to do with movies. That I, you know, I, lo- I loved The Matrix, the first Matrix film. Fantastic. You know, it blew my mind and, you know, brilliant. And then some years later, the second one came out and that was rubbish because in it, the, 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 the logic of what, we, what I was watching just fell, fell apart. And there were these sort of massive scraps for, with, no, with no real consequence. And it was all just became self-indulgent. And, but it was self-indulgent because the, 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 the sort of tightness, the, the rules that we were talking about, suddenly were fluid. Oh, yeah. Oh, and he can fly now. Well, if he can fly, why didn't he fly when he was fighting those sort of 50 blokes about you know, 10 minutes before? It, it all just becomes, um, you know, you, as, a, as, a, as a viewer, you, you switch off. So, yeah, as a writer, you, you seek to avoid those uh, Matrix-style uh, moments. Can I, can I ask what, because um, you said like it, and I, I'm not, this isn't out of, I promise you this isn't out of schadenfreude, but um, you said like it started <laughs> off very easily. Um, what was the, was there, were there any particularly hard <coughs> bits of writing the trilogy or what, what, what was the sort of, were there any parts where it got tougher or any parts where you thought, I'm not sure how this is, how oh, yeah. this is going to go now? Well, I mean, I think, I don't know if you find this, but I think almost every book, um, there comes a point about, I don't know, three quarters of the way through or something where you, you start to really get a bit sweaty and think, oh, this isn't, oh, this is rubbish. And 
those things that aren't going to work and and I really don't have any confidence suddenly in what I'm doing and um inevitably with Bartimaeus I think each each of the novels would have that I mean, I think it, it always helped that I I um that I had planned things out you know I, I had done a lot of spade work I think the first book the first book probably took you know about a year and a half um be, partly because of that massive amount of of sort of thinking through what what the rules were so i i never got to a point where i was like um uh, I, I began to feel oh no i've i've totally f- fudged the world and the rules don't work I, I kind of always felt that was pretty pretty secure and i was secure in my characters but then you've got a you've got the issue of plot and um is it is it is it sort of fast enough and is it is it sort of hang together and oh how are you going to how complex is this bloody thing and you you you'd so inevitably what would happen is i'd get worried and i'd give it to my wife to read and um because again i think you need some you know this is a good tip for the top i think you need to have someone around who who you kind of trust to tell you if it's good but also tell you if it's if it's you know it's not and obviously your agent or your editor are contenders for that but actually i i before i show it to them i i would i would i would keep it close to home so i'd have this discussion with my with my wife and she'd what always happened with with Bartimaeus was that she'd basically reassure me that a lot of it was fine and that oh yeah those two things those that doesn't quite wash and I would in that in that conversation you know I'd start to see oh okay so if I if I if I remove that scene or I move it to a different point then I'm okay and I'd have a couple of days of that and then I'd I'd merrily continue on my way I think I think that's having a first reader who isn't somebody with any control over your career is a really, really nice thing because you <laughs> yeah, don't worry right. that you're going to... You don't have that paranoid worry that you're going to show it to them and then they're going to privately think, I've I've made a terrible misjudgment. This person isn't doesn't have any professional <laughs> merit whatsoever. You know, you, you feel like you could show them something awful and they would tell you but they they don't have any kind of <laughs> I, no it's really no, useful no consequences yeah and I think also it's 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 really it's it's really interesting what you said that you would suddenly realise that you, the feedback would be I think it's mainly good but this bit and this bit are wrong because isn't it often as a writer you are writing and you get a kind of ambient un, un discomfort or unease that 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 the, it is not working that something is wrong yes and it's very right. easy that's to get the sense right. that the, the piece is wrong the book is wrong when actually yes. it's often yes. very specific mistakes that once removed yeah. n- now no longer exist and it's fine right no that that that's that's very true that's really really true i, th- I think i think writing is is largely intuitive you know um, it is for me um you know, you you have the rational side, which which helps you to construct a plot that is coherent and makes uh you know makes satisfactory aesthetic sense. You know, oh yeah, I'm gonna have I'm gonna put in enough action scenes to keep my readers happy, but I need to make sure that in between that there are scenes where we get to know the characters a bit more or we advance the plot. So you have the, you have that kind of side of your brain which is doing all that, but actually the thing that really guides you is, is a kind of in, intuition and you're absolutely right that a lot of the time you'll be there going ah oh, this, this isn't this isn't right and I don't feel don't feel quite happy with this and I don't really want to admit that it's it's because that I mean I, with uh with with one of my books uh Heroes of the Valley which is a standalone um story I 
uh, I spent quite a long time working on it and I, I just wasn't quite working and I had um, I actually genuinely sort of used to was getting quite sort of worried about it and then suddenly in the night I woke up and I realized that one of my three main characters was redundant and I didn't need him um, you know I, I would get rid of him and then that would solve my 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 problem and uh, as soon as I've made that decision because the other thing is making you kind of know you've got to make a decision it's gonna be a hard one. Oh my god um, but once you've made it you you feel a lot a lot happier and oh, okay yes okay that means I'm going to have to spend a you know however long rewriting it but that's what I do anyway it's, it's, that's that's okay so uh, and then you can progress the, the 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 worst case of that was with one of my Bartimaeus books um, the Ring of Solomon which is a kind of prequel to the the, the original trilogy which um, for me started my, my plan was to do it as a series of short stories it was going to be a, a kind of compendium of Bartimaeus short stories and I, I I did a lot of planning and I had lots of lots of fragments of different stories and I was working on different different scenes from different parts it's a uh, chronological through history because Bartimaeus has been around for thousands of years so we're going to see him in different epochs it was going to be going to be amazing and it wasn't working and I eventually uh, again another chat with my wife um, that was quite a hard one because at the end of that discussion, I realised that it it just didn't work. The whole the whole thing didn't work, and I had to kind of start again uh, with my deadline four months away or whatever. It was okay because I was able to to choose one of the stories, which I'd done a lot of work on and had a lot of good stuff. I thought, no, I can use that story and I can expand it out and it can become a a novel, and that will work. Um, um, but I, I, you know, I'd, I'd been very stressed up to the point where we had the conversation <clears throat> and had that realization that I had to start again. Once I'd made that decision, again, there was a kind of sense of okay, I, I weights off my shoulder. I've got several months of hard labour, but I'm kind of confident about what I'm doing. And if you've got the confidence, then you just p- plug away, don't you? You, you, you go go in go in I don't know well again it's maybe you know what do you what do you do but I, again ideally it's a kind of day you know you go in and it's your, it's your it's your job you sit down at the desk and you try and get a certain number of pages done and um you know so so it goes yeah I think it's so interesting you say it's like a weight off your shoulders because I felt that it's almost like when you were talking about it your body language between the moment of like receiving this judgment <laughs> and then it happening mm did you know and then like it's like a lightness that and and I think there is a grieving process sometimes that you have to have for bits of the Mm. story that aren't working where Mm. eventually you go I might not be able to write this book and and when you come to that stage it's like then the idea of I might have to cut 20,000 words actually doesn't seem so bad like then it's like oh I don't have to I, I can write the book I just have to get rid of this chunk actually that is by comparison not that bad and when you know that then it's fine but you have to sort of kind of have a little grieving point of letting go of what it was and that weight's gone and then you can move on (laughs) yeah and I think you know you you, nothing that you have written is ever really wasted um I suppose that I I, I, well with Heroes of the Valley I I, it was probably quite an extreme book because I wrote a huge amount of stuff which never never made it to the final book and that was because in that in that particular instance I it took me quite a long time to figure out what the book was uh actually about um and you know looking back on it it was time well spent I think it was one of my best books but actually at the time it was real it was a real killer I remember getting really quite depressed about it at various points because I it took me a long time to 
to get that that little sense of confidence about what it what it was that I was trying to trying to do uh after that I I tried to I tried to sort of get a bit um well Ring of Solomon didn't work either but uh, you know um with with my Lockwood books more recently I I suppose I've I've tried to be a bit more a bit more ruthless early kind of focusing in on okay this is what the story's about here are my characters what am I trying to achieve um, trying to avoid and if you if you've got a series if you're doing a series like Lockwood had five books in it then that's great because you once you've figured out the world you do have certain things that are already set so each consecutive book you can um, you can focus in on on you know character development and you know certain plot things but you don't have to do all the the the, the spade work every time um can i just i want to just zero in on something that you said there because it relates to something i was going to ask but it's but you said it you said i really had to figure out what the book was about and Mm. i so we've talked about structure we've talked about characters and their motivations and their voices Mm. and we've talked about world building and i suppose the other element that I rarely hear writers talk about, maybe because it's very difficult to talk about, is theme. You know, what what yes. is this book about? What are its themes? And I wonder, um, how do you, where does theme come in the, in the process of writing a story for you? When do you sort of start to zero in on that? And, um, and what's the importance of, you know, a writer knowing what their book is? "Quote unquote about." Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good question, isn't it? I th- I think um, there are no doubt writers. Well, there are there are writers who write books which are about certain topics. You know, certain they they're, they're writing about grief or they're writing about um, uh, estrangement or divorce or they they want to make a kind of specific political comment. Um, I I don't tend to write that kind of book. The the, the kinds of book that um really excited me when I was a child because again again I think it all links back to this that kind of key point when you're about between about you know 7 and 14 or something there's a key key point where certain kind of books um really um get deep into you and it, certainly for me um i'm i'm kind of i'm echoing that in in the kind of books that i write so i i tend to want to write things which are um which are uh, adventures of one sort or another that are exciting that carry you into some some sort of new world although actually i don't want it to be i i don't really want it to be sort of escapist um I don't tend to go for fantastical worlds that are completely separate. I, I, I get a bit impatient about those, I suppose, as an adult. Um, I prefer to do something which is a uh, a hybrid. You know, it's, 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 it's somehow the ordinary world um, meeting something odd uh, at a you know at an angle and what 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 happens what happens at the point where there's the weirdness and the, and the ordinary meet um, that that kind of interests me so the, the as far as theme goes there is this sort of underlying interest in Fan, the fantastic operating on an ordinary ordinary people and the an ordinary environment so Bartimaeus is set mostly in London uh, Lockwood series set in London um, it helped to have a a very concrete real kind of place 
to base the, the the fantasy kind of makes it feel more real to me um and also to to the readers i think um yeah so um all, i'll always i'll always seek to 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 embed it um themes that came out through Bar- through the bartimaeus thing that the over the over the year over the three years i was writing the book i it, the themes about tolerance and um sort of understanding of of others and there were all kinds of political themes that actually were woven in and i i, I went off to to i was in italy or somewhere and i got interviewed by a, uh, an italian journalist about the the amulet of samarkand and they had no interest in the in the fantasy whatsoever but they had they were entirely interested in what political subtext or what what was i what what what, what points were i was I making about Tony Blair and um, you know the, the the government at the time, um, and so they, they they were right. That was what interested them, um, and it's part it, it was part of the the stew, um, but it wasn't the you know, it, it, by no means was that was that the only was that the only thing. Um, if I answer your question, yeah, before, no, it is. So, so no, I, I, I think I, that's I, that's absolutely. I so I guess what you're saying because for me, I suppose I from what you're saying, it's like you are interesting characters and following them honestly through an adventure and a story and see yeah. what happens to them. And you're interested in the worlds that they uh, mm. are in and some weirdness, some fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I guess my interpretation of what you're saying is that you don't sit down going, time to write some trenchant political satire. <laughs> time, time to skewer the no. ruling class of Britain. What you do is you sit down and you write about some people in position, someone, a character who is in a position of power, position of power, abusing it or or or, or not, as the case may be. And yes, ab- absolutely. And, it, and it's um, hard to so... not have. It's hard to not have some themes arise out of almost anything where you are honestly well, that, following a character, right? right? If you and, and follow it, them through an adventure, yes, it might, right. the theme that's might right. be bravery or sacrifice, right? Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. No, you're absolutely you're spot on. And by the time I finished. Um, Bart, the, the, the three Bartimaeus books. I realised that one of the key themes was sort of was about um, it was about slavery, inequality. Um, you know, I have three. I have three main characters: Bartimaeus, who's a genie who is basically enslaved by Nathaniel, who is a member of the ruling class, and he's a magician. And magicians always basically they re- in in the in the, in the books, the in my books, magicians get all their power from imprisoned or enslaved beings like Bartimaeus and uh, so they're, they're all their you know grandeur and pizzazz is based on um, subjecting a whole you know a class of, of character being to to slavery and there's a third character Kitty who is an ordinary um, an ordinary girl not not a magician lives in London and is kind of subjected she's a commoner so she she has to obey the magicians so you've got th- but, but she hates the, de- the the demons the genies because they they do all the, the dirty work for magicians so you've got three different characters each representing a different um, group and there's kind of hatred between all of them it's like a triangle of, of discord but in the course of the three books these three characters sort of work towards an understanding of each other. So, you know, by the time I got to the end of the third book, I could actually look look someone in the eye and go, "Oh, well, there are these big themes that I'm I'm that I'm exploring." But but those themes, as you said, those themes came out of the desire to to have a a, a magical you know adventure following these characters. I mean, characters are the key, really, for for maintaining the interest of of the reader and of me, I suppose. Um, can I ask a bit about um, just I 
I, I just want to make sure we have time to talk a little bit about um, the Lockwood books because I'd be really interested oh, yeah. <clears throat> to hear about the sort of challenges, I guess, of writing not a trilogy but a uh, a, a like a series um, yes. and uh, a little <clears throat> bit about those stories as well because you you said in some ways it's easier because you have an established world so you're not having to do you're not having to make up discover the rules again but in other ways it must be i assume there are challenges in terms of you know you've got a load of stuff that the characters have done and have said and things you've established and something that you might have put in a way in as a throwaway line early on you're like (laughs) oh my gosh i've said that they're grandma can fly <laughs> I, that was just a joke and now i'm committed to that what do i do can you i wonder if you could just talk a little bit about yes. those books um for people who haven't read them just ex- maybe briefly pracy what they're about and then um and then if you could talk a little bit about uh, series writing because i've actually not asked anyone about uh, writing series and um be okay. really really interesting hmm. well um again the, the the so the lockwood books um began with a single piece of writing that i did um some years ago, which involved a boy and a girl um, in modern day clothes, but with swords at their belts coming to knock on the door of a house in in London. Um, And they were they're standing on the doorstep having a chat and they're going to go in and deal with a ghost that was in there. There's a haunting going on in the house. These kids are there to deal with it. And I wrote this sort of four four pages of this scene. They hadn't even gone in the house, but just them talking. And and I I liked again, I like the characters. I I thought, okay, these these guys are interesting. I, I, I want to know why they are on the doorstep, why there are no adults there. How are they going to deal with the ghost? What? You know what's what's the story there? So again, it was, a, it, it was a little by little I had to piece it together, and eventually I came up with the idea that um, it's a kind of contemporary London. Um, there's an epidemic of ghosts. Um, everyone knows that ghosts exist. More and more ghosts are turning up all over the place. Um, they can be fatal if you get ghost touched. You know, then it, it, it can kill you. Um, adults. Uh, the, 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 sort of the crucial thing is that adults know that the ghosts are there, but if you're an adult, you can't really see them, and you can't you can't you can't sort of detect them until it's too late. So it meant that it means that the whole of society is kind of uh, skewed. Um, the children, uh, children with good psychic abilities, can go in and deal with the ghosts, and of course the adults then um, there, there are whole companies that are set up. Adults control them, um, and the kids are sent off into the scary old spooky mansion or the you know the haunted McDonald's or wherever it is, um, and have to deal with the ghosts. Um, and some of them die, and um, some of them don't. Um, Lockwood and Co. is the the my heroes. Uh, it's the only company that isn't run by adults. It's a little company. This guy called Anthony Lockwood is about fourteen, fifteen. He it's his company. And he's got Lucy, who tells the story, Lucy Carlyle, and a third guy called George. And they're they, they the three characters who live, live, they live in this house. <laughs> they live in this house in London. Um, and they go home and sort of have donuts and have discussions about who's going to do the washing up. And then they'll, they'll go out with their various bits of ghost hunting kit and risk their lives to save um, the adults. And that was the kind of premise. And from that initial sort of idea um a, a series of five books um it, it came sort of what one per year um and again um i only kind of figured out i really only figured out what was going to happen in the fifth book um when i was writing it i i i had certain theme i had certain ideas roughly about the third book i think i began to think okay i need an end game here what actually is what am i working towards um 
because there's an underlying there's, the, the, there's an underlying mystery. I think the thing about series is I think it works on TV as well. If you've got um, if you're going to have a successful series, you need to have um, a, a structure that works for each book individually. So each book has to have its own beginning, middle, and end, and its own kind of particular quest or own particular problem that gets dealt with. Um, and you have to be able to put that book down and actually feel satisfaction. However, you can then say, yeah, but as well as that, you've also got this, this underlying um, or overarching problem or, or, or mystery, uh, which in the case of the Lockwood & Co books is why the ghosts are turning up. You know, no one knows why these ghosts are, 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 are kind of returning, what, what's causing it. And you, you little by little over the course of the five books, you, our heroes get to discover this. Um, but that's a kind of slow burn. So it meant that each, each book I can have fun um, giving them you know, gr- gruesome or, or scary situations to, uh, to deal with and gradually build in new characters. One of, one of my, one of my um, uh, sort of the tricks, I suppose, with the series is that to begin with, Lockwood, Lucy and George are, the, are my three characters, my, my key characters. In the second book, a, um, a talking skull in a jar turns up who's, um, who's a real sort of pain in the backside and, and talks to, to Lucy. She can hear what he's saying and he's a kind of, he's basically an evil ghost in a jar, but uh, she carries him around. He's quite helpful as well as being evil. And so he kind of joins the gang. And in the third book, somebody else... To, so by the time you get to the, the fifth book, there's actually a, quite a nice little cast of characters that have gradually accreted around my... Uh, uh, 32 Portland uh, Row where they where their house is um, and you have this little community and so the readers you know slowly that they become part of the community they what they want to hopefully want to kind of follow our heroes and you know they they, they get increasingly threatened as the series goes on um, but but I think as a writer as a, if you're writing series you kind of have to try and keep yourself interested so that each book each book is a bit different you're not you're not just doing the same thing each each time so i'd be sitting there thinking i want i need to have you know two or three really classy ghosts in this new book um they need to be different there needs to be a kind of different uh repercussion uh you know what, what what's the effect it has on lucy or what does lockwood learn something from it you know whatever it is you, you have to there has to be something different uh, uh hanging on um on the events and there has to be this sort of gradual forward momentum so that the reader and indeed me sort of feels like i'm moving towards something um that will will conclude because I, I i again i don't tend to like things that just dr- drag on forever that's really that's and that speaks back to what you were saying about the matrix basically when you said that there were fights mm. that have no consequence it's not enough for people yes, to be threatened yes. <clears throat> and then will they get past it won't they oh they do mm. nothing has changed they've learned nothing from this they've yeah. suffered yeah. nothing that's going to have repercussions later on that's it they're at the same state <clears throat> and you could read this in almost yeah. any order so it's, it's great that oh, it sounds like you're yeah. kind of yeah you're just you're you managing that tension between monster of the week and having an arc where characters are actually learning and growing. And you couldn't read these books in any order because we're learning stuff and they're changing through mm. them. They're not the same people I mean, I, at the I, beginning I, and end. That's right. I mean, I, I, I know that you can do it in different ways. And, um, you know, my, my son's been reading the Alex Ryder series uh, by Anthony Horowitz. You know, great, really good stuff. He absolutely loves it. And there I get the... I think there are certain books which are kind of 
you, you know that where where the, where the, the sequence is is important. But I, I also get the impression you can kind of read most of them. It's a bit like James Bond films. You you know you can watch them in different orders. It doesn't really matter because the primary purpose of each book is to have a different um, a different adventure, a different mission, and that's really cool as well. And there's a lot of as a kid, you know, you the, as an adult, there's a lot of satisfaction to, to you know to have this series where you know that you can kind of just jump in and and enjoy it. Doesn't matter doesn't matter what order. Um, interestingly enough, my publishers in the UK are very, very hesitant about putting um, numbers on the books, which really annoys me because uh, in, in Lockwood, it does matter. You know, with Lockwood, I, I want my readers to know this is book one, this is book three. It kind of makes sense to read it in the correct order. But they don't, they don't, they don't want to do it because they don't want, um, you know, if you go into Waterstones and you see book four on the shelf... Um, they don't want the you know the prospective reader to to ignore it. They want they want them to buy it, even though actually it would be much better for all of us if they had all four. It's, books it's there. the received um, wi- uh... it's the received wisdom, isn't it? <laughs> and I feel exactly the same way that my publishers put out the honours, and they were like, "We're not going to say this is the first book in a trilogy." <laughs> and so I got loads of reviews saying I really enjoyed it. The only thing was. The ending seemed like there was a couple of things that were unresolved, and I was oh, like, no. "It was like it's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame there couldn't be, you know, a sequel. I would like it if there was." And I was like, "There, I'm, I'm like there at the computer writing it, going, just wait, I'm doing it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a funny old business, isn't it?" <laughs> It is, yeah. It's, it's, you, the publisher's sort of logic and, and your own logic doesn't always quite align. But um, um, yeah, and so at least they, at least those guys wanted a sequel. Thank they, goodness. They were saying, well, thank God, thank God. There's no. There's no <laughs> I'm glad this is a standalone <laughs> book. <laughs> this, this would be a, a wonderful learning experience for the author. But let's. I'm glad that he's closed the door on this chapter in his life. Um, um, I just before we end, I just wanted to ask. Uh, you've given us such so many inspirational and. Uh, really, really uh, amazing bits of advice. And I just want to say, and I thought I wouldn't mention this at the beginning so you didn't feel awkward, but I think the Bartimaeus trilogy, um, you know, I I remember reading uh, The Amulet of Samarkand and just being blown away. I really would definitely put it in like my top 10 books uh, of all time in terms of my favourite books. It's absolutely mind-blowing to the point that maybe, yes, I was a little bit jealous reading it, but mainly I was just so just so excited and amped every time I came back to that world and every time I read it I really and I will just for everyone listening I'm going to put links to Jonathan's books in the show notes and on my website so you can click through and get them or of course go to your local bricks and mortar bookstore but I remember reading the first one and then being in London and getting to the end of it and just stopping what I was doing and getting on the tube and going to Waterstones and going, I need, I need, you need to give me the other books now. I can't. This is no. Just <laughs> oh, let's go. Dude. Let's. I, I'm. I'm on board. Um. So yeah. I really, really awesome. Just awesome, awesome books. Um. I just wondered if you have any, because most of the listeners are, are writers and they're various stages in their writing life from being, you know you know, having a few books behind them to being people who've never actually quite got the guts to kind of sit down and writing. Have you got any things that you found have helped you or writing tips or bits of advice that you think can help people who are writing at the moment? Well, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of them in the course of the discussion, you know, which is which is good because, um, you know, we, we've discussed the, the importance of um, having 
you know, well, having someone to to who you trust to discuss it with you, and whoever that is, it doesn't have to be an editor, or you know, someone who who can who can give you an honest um, appraisal. That's that's really important. Um, really, it's it's. I think it's all fairly obvious. I mean, for me, finding time to write is is probably the first most difficult thing, especially when you're starting out. You know, you, you you've got to earn a living. You you've got your family. What you know, what all the life is there, and how do you um, compartmentalize your time so that you are able to to do some writing for yourself. Uh, with no particular you know agenda because as we discussed you can't always know what you're going to write you 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 might you might find that you're there working for for months on something which you know keeps moving out of your reach and you 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 have to just keep plugging away and so my main it's not really a tip it's more just that my main observation is that you have to you give yourself a little bit of time a little bit of me me time where you are off in your own little space wherever that is um, working regularly on your on your piece, and the more regularly you can do it, even if it's a relatively short amount of time, the, the more the more um, the less time there is between sessions, the better it is because you just get a little bit of momentum, and you you know it doesn't take very much time to get back into the whatever whatever little world you're you're in. So so regularity of um, of 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 working is 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 good you know as as much as one can um and 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 again not being concerned if you don't if it doesn't work because it, it it'll turn into something else that will work you know you you it, it's an ongoing process and there's no there's no law about oh it, I I must have it finished in a certain time I mean I I'm a real fan of things like the whole um you know national the um uh, the November whenever Yes, I mean, I, I, there is a lot to be said for that kind of discipline. Where you go, right? I'm going to give myself a certain amount of time, and I'm going to write a draft because that, that's that's a that's a good discipline. You know, just writing some stuff and not caring about what, uh, not caring about about obsessing about whether it's working or not. But you just get it down. Then you can fiddle with it later. So I think that I think that's I think that's great. But equally, by the same token. You know, you've got your stuff, and you 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 keep working and revising and fiddling with it. It, it. Who knows how long it'll take? You you have to just keep the fires burning, get some get some feedback, not get um, not get disheartened if someone doesn't like it. You know, maybe they're maybe they're just not their thing. Um, uh, yeah, experiment and and kind of enjoy it. I mean, I think I think the the enjoyment we we've, we've talked about that. You 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 have to you have to kind of be enjoying what you're writing. And if if it if it turns you on as you do it, then um, there's a quite a good chance that somebody else will will you know get that spark, that kind of uh, um, that 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 the fire will will be passed across to somebody else, and they'll you know they'll they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean that's um, the thing is like you're going to spend some time if you're going to spend all this time in an empty room. You might as well have fun, yeah. right? It's going to be a oh, lot easier. Oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> it's so true. I, and there's no that's quite that's quite an important one, isn't it? Really, because you know we all sit there thinking, oh, I'd love to, I'd love to write War and Peace, and I'd love to, I'd love to write this sort of hard hitting Booker Prize winning. Not well, yeah, maybe, but actually, really, the question is, what 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 is your voice, and where does your voice lead you? You know, with me. I didn't really know until I sat down and Bartimaeus's voice suddenly came out and I sort of thought, ah, oh, this, this is kind of, uh, this felt good. It felt, it felt right. And the, the excitement was palpable. You know, that, that was the, that was the only day, the first Bartimaeus day was the only day that I, 
um, grabbed my wife when she came back from work and sat her down and actually read out what I'd written. I, I, I never, I've never done, you know, I never do that. Um, but I did it that day because I knew that this, this voice was special. A demon has been um, speaking to me. Listen to what he said. <laughs> speaking in tongues. And yeah, I mean, that's, uh, but you know, you, so you, so to just in some way you are looking for that, you're looking for that point where you go, yeah, this is my voice. This is, this is, this is who I am. And this is what I've got to say who knows what 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 kind of book it is or or for for what age group or um you know how many copies are going to be sold you, you that's that's sort of irrelevant yeah you you find the voice you 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 should be very proud of yourself if you if you get to the point where you go that's me no one else no one else has got a voice quite like that that's what you that's what you're aspiring to and then everything else comes from you know stems from it all the all the secondary stuff about people reading it and publishing it and how's it going to be published and that's all really good but it comes it comes from finding that voice and um you 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 have to just sort of say good luck to everybody because it's some people find it you know uh quicker and some people take take longer but if you keep working at it you will you will find that voice because it, by you, you, by definition you have got one you've got you are unique you you have your own voice and you will find it what a perfect note to end on thank you so <laughs> much for um for giving up your time to come and talk on the show Jonathan I'm really really appreciative and it's been really I feel inspired I'm going to go and make myself a, a cup of tea and then I'm going to oh, write me this too. morning I've got my cup here awesome yep. um, but thank you lovely. so much thank you so, so much. much for having no thank you for having me on it's been a real real pleasure to talk with you yeah have a lovely day and uh, take care and for everyone listening I'm going to um, like I say all of Jonathan's books are listed in the uh, show notes or uh, at least a uh, uh, he, he has done quite a lot. So uh, certainly, certainly a uh, uh, all the ones we've talked about. Um, so you can click through and get them. Although, of course, do um, buy them from your local bricks and mortar bookshop if you're able to get to one. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, then please uh, share it with your friends and subscribe to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Leave us uh, a little review so other people can find the show as well. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. And I hope you have a wondrous and inspiring week of writing where you find your voice.